Staples show post game brunch edition. I know you guys are cooking brunch right now. You're going to send me pictures of it. It's going to be great. I might send you a picture of my water bottle because intermittent fasting does not allow for breakfast or brunch. Oh, you're an intermittent fasting now. That's exactly right, Richard Johnson. By the way, our <laughs> guest today, the great Richard Johnson. There are a million places you can find this guy. A, a million places. One, Moon Crew. That's that's the main spot. That's that's where he and the great Spencer Hall and Alex Kirshner and a lot of the really, really fun people and really smart people who cover college football have landed. So Moon Crew. Also, you can watch him on Thinking Out Loud on the SEC Network, which is a fantastic show. Uh, you're the Greg McElroy of this year, right? I hope so. I'm better dressed, though. Definitely. From what they tell me. There is no question about that. <laughs> no question about that. You can also listen to his podcast, Split Zone Duo, with Alex Kirshner, which is fantastic as well. Uh, last week they had uh, their former co-worker, Stephen Godfrey, on. They were making fun of the NCAA and talking about video games. It was outstanding. So, <laughs> But, Richard, we are here to talk about a pretty interesting Saturday in college football. We are recording this just as the Alabama-Georgia game. Well, let's, let's be perfectly honest. We're recording this just as the Rays game has ended. Exactly. As wait, you're you're Pasco County's own Andy Staples, right? Well, no. I so I covered Pasco County high schools for two years for the Tampa Tribune. That does not mean you are not actually. I am a Pasco, Pasco County okay. person. I did okay. not grow up okay. in Newport Ritchie, Orlando Lakes, or Dade <laughs> City, or Lacucci, or Zephyr Hills. I, I I actually I spent most of my childhood in Seminole County near in suburban Orlando. Okay. So, but yeah, no the the. But the Rays in the World Series. So Richard sent me a message. He's like, I, I realize Alabama George is over, but you got to give me like three more outs to get this get this done. <laughs> so Richard, we, we just watched Alabama. And I feel like the score is misleading because this feels like it was a closer game than that score. Yeah, it's. It's funny because the sort of the result, like there are some things that I think lead you to like lead you to the result and lead you to see how the result is plausible. But then when you watch the game, like you're like, I don't really know how they did that. So Andy, if, if at six o'clock this evening before this game kicked off, I told you Stetson Bennett threw the ball 40 times in this game. What, like, what would you think happened in the game? I would think Georgia couldn't run the ball and got desperate. But that's not yeah. what happened. But that's not what happened. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like I like if 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 I told you Stetson Bennett threw three picks in this game, I think you would probably say, okay, Alabama won the game by a lot. But like, one of the picks wasn't even really a bad pass. One of them went through a guy's hands, so that one doesn't count either. Right. And so it's like I, I don't know. It was, it was a very weird game. But then again, you go back to it, and it's like. Okay, the proof is kind of in the pudding. Georgia goes punt, punt, interception, interception, missed field goal in the second half. And Bama goes punt, touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Let, Kneel down. Let, let me go back to 6 o'clock and ask you a question. If I told you Mac Jones threw a pick on the first play of the game, oh. would, you, would you believe that Alabama won by 17? No, no way. 
no way. Like it, it's, it, I mean, there's no way. And, and also the, there is another, like you look at Naj- so Najee Harris runs 30 times, 150 yards. I mean, I would say Georgia got invasion of the body snatcher in the game, right? <laughs> There's no way Georgia allows 150 yards in this game. Uh, Zamir White had led the team in t- with 10 carries. 10? But averaged 5.7 yards a carry. I don't and know. Georgia didn't I don't keep know. pounding the rock. They threw it 40 I times. It, yeah, I, I none, think... of it, none of it made sense. But, but perhaps that's why Georgia lost, Richard, is, is none of it made sense. Yeah, I, I think... I think Georgia deserves a ton of credit. I think Kirby deserves a lot of credit for, and Andy, I, I don't know, you know, if you've done any reporting to this, but like, so the Jamie Newman thing comes out of nowhere, right? As far as anybody knows, right? Um, and and so my sort of theory about Georgia's entire offseason was for nine months they had been architecting the offense for this guy who can move and can RPO and all that sort of stuff, and then two weeks before the season he opts out, and then you're screwed. So, like, I thought that Georgia deserves a lot of credit for rolling, sort of rolling the ball back and going back to, yeah, what's fairly comfortable for Kirby because of the defense. But, like, it's not, it's not exactly easy to sort of roll the architecture of your offense back in two and a half well, weeks. Well, and, and this and wasn't the guy either because when Jamie Newman opted Mathis. out, they assumed it was going to be Dewan Mathis. So, like, Georgia does deserve a lot of a lot of credit for this thing being functional. And you see some of the things. Like, you see what they see in Stetson Bennett, I think, when he's on the field, right? Yeah. Uh, like, he can operate this offense. He's really good um, uh, over the middle of the field. He was a lot better tonight, I thought, uh, uh, on the edges of the field. I think that Georgia deserves a ton of credit for scheming him, scheming around some of his deficiencies. I thought a lot of their joy came uh, on short side of the field throws. I think they said, hey, we're not going to make you throw to the field against these guys because they're fast enough to recover and pick you off. I think for the most part, they got him into advantageous situations in the passing game and schemed around sort of where he was deficient. Um, But at the end of the day, like you have to go toe to toe with these guys. And what like the the defensive pass interference call call was awful. Okay, I'll give you that. That was terrible. Yes. Georgia, ha- but then Georgia has a delay of game coming out of a kickoff. Right. Yeah. One, That's one like, call is not unless it's the the Auburn call against Arkansas last week. One call sure. is not going to do that. Let me let me throw another theory at you. Stetson Bennett in this game was Mac Jones in the Iron Bowl last year. Not yeah, not I quite ready that. for the moment, but you give him some sure. more time and he's going to be ready. Sure. You see it. I, I like. There's a little bit of proof of concept. He did like. You know, Mac Jones throws that interception off one and off Najee's behind in that game. Mm-hmm. Sets and Bennett throws a pick that was on a good throw. You know, you sort of see it. Um, but I mean, this like this. I, I said this to our our pal Ralph Russo earlier in the week on his podcast. I was like, look, Alabama can beat Georgia playing the way Georgia wants to play. I do not think Georgia can beat Alabama the way Alabama wants to play. I'm I'm with you on that, and and that is I think what makes Nick Saban as good as he is is they can beat you however you want to play them. And that you saw they beat Ole Miss the way Ole Miss wanted to play them last week. They beat Georgia the way Georgia wanted to play them this week. And that is what has made Nick Saban so successful and so consistent over the years. There aren't many teams that can do that. Alabama can do that. No. Clemson can do that. Ohio State can do that. That's pretty much it. Yeah, I mean, it, it is in many ways, shapes, and forms the class of college football. Um, I think Alabama 
was obviously Alabama was better on defense and like I you know I can't wait to watch the game back to see exactly how they sort of figured some things out in the second half um they Alabama still has problems and the second level of that defense it wasn't as bad as Ole Miss Ole Miss was not or uh, Georgia was not going to do the things Ole Miss did to sort of exploit Alabama on the back end and sort of break Alabama on the back end um Georgia and objectively Georgia has the talent one would think to beat Alabama sort of going right at them so to speak um, Ole Miss didn't. They did what they had to do to to try to score points, and they scored a lot of points against Alabama. Um, and and so I, I sort of say that to say, like, in the beginning of the game, you saw Georgia. Like, Georgia did some stuff with motion. Uh, they ran some split zone plays. And, it again, looked like Alabama doesn't practice run fits. I don't really know what the deal is there. Smarter men than me can figure that out. But I say to say Alabama's not perfect. Um, I... But now here they have a few weeks, right? Yeah. Before they really play anybody to figure it out, right? They got Tennessee next week. I don't see Tennessee doing anything like this. We, we, we are going to have to talk about Tennessee. We're going to have to have a very hard conversation about Tennessee at some point during this episode. Uh, one one thing we haven't pointed out yet, Richard, that I think I feel like we need to. This is going to be meeting one of two. Yeah. Let's let's not yeah. forget what happened in 2017, where Georgia got housed by Auburn at Auburn. And then came back and, and beat them in the SEC championship game. Now, granted, Carryon Johnson was hurt. It was a different team with a hurt Carryon Johnson. But still, don't think that just because this game had this result that it will be like that when they play again. Yeah, I would imagine when they get together in the Georgia Dome or wherever it is that they end up playing it, it'll be closer. Georgia will learn. I think Georgia's defense all Things considered, I don't think Georgia's defense played well enough to win, but sort of the dam sort of broke at the end, and there's just not really a lot you can do. Yeah. You know, it, it just sort of fell out. Though I will end. say, I mean, I, we probably knew this going into the season, much less going into this game, but nice to see it reinforced. Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith are the best receiver duo in the country. The, the fact that they can lose Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy and still have these two guys on the roster, and then and, and Mechie, who was on the roster, then just steps into a bigger role. It is incredible how they've turned from a team that choked the life out of you for so many years to now a team that can just explode on you for points at any time. I think what's got to be the most frustrating for Kirby, honestly, is that he was there and watched Alabama turn it from murder ball to... To, evol- to evolution, he was yeah. there for through that. He lived through that. Um, and I, I like I imagine if you're Kirby, like that's the thing that I probably would really, really get me. But the thing is, you were there. You know that. So you've got to try to do so that do it. too. So do it again. <laughs> yeah. So replicate it. And I like I did not think Kirby was going to be the one saving assistant that was going to get it right in so many ways structurally and and with the administration part of the program and all that sort of stuff and to a t he's checked off just about every box except for the big except one. winning the game and that that is the right. that is the big one but i i'm a, i'm with you there roster wise administration wise infrastructure wise they are right there they just cannot get over the hump on the field and it's funny because i went on a radio show on friday and it was a show where they you could tell they cover pro football most of the time. They don't cover much college. And they said, well, if Georgia can't win this one, should Georgia just give up? I'm like, 
what do you mean, like drop the sport? <laughs> like, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. They're, they're, they're right there in, in, in a national championship game, in an SEC championship game. And, and look, tonight it got away from them, but they were right there for most of the game. So, yeah, I, I don't think Georgia is that far from Alabama, and it's not a case where if they play again, Georgia can't win the game. They, they could. If, yeah, if Stetson Bennett grows up between now and then, that's a pretty close game. Yeah, and I think you saw to like they affected Mac Jones. Now, yeah. don't get it twisted. They got they after Mac Jones a ton of yards, game. but they affected him. Yeah, you know, I, they they got after him a little bit. Um, I think in the beginning of the game, I think you saw Georgia definitely searching on defense for the thing that was going to affect him. Um, they brought like three different corner blitzes in the first like three drives. It, it was crazy um, seeing all the pressure that they were bringing. Now, I, I will say Georgia did a good job picking it up for the most part. Or, or sorry, Alabama did a good job picking it up for the most yeah. part, and then and then Mac does a good job usually sensing with the exception of the first play uh he was a little hurried at times i think you could see like it wasn't like a scene ghost thing but like there were some times when you're like okay they are definitely like speeding up his processing and he is definitely having to make decisions in an in an un, at an uncomfortable right. rate for him yeah there were a couple it's times not seeing ghosts, it's time. seeing very large man in front of me about to hit <laughs> yes <me. laughs> yes yes it is so while that game is going on we were locked in on that not much of the world comparatively was watching this, but Florida State takes a massive step forward by taking a big lead against North Carolina and then hanging on for dear life. Uh, North Carolina drops a pass just, you know, on fourth down. They're, they're, they have a chance to tie or win the game, but Florida State pulls it out. How big a win is that for Mike Norvell and his program? I mean, I think that, like, now, look, I don't think either of us think North Carolina was a top five team in the country. No, you got to put somebody there, though. You have to put somebody there, and I get it. I have my own thoughts about whether we should be ranking teams this season anyway before certain other conferences start playing. But be that as it may, um, it, you need this. You need this for Florida State because I think that the the I, I think the most embarrassing thing for Florida State, and I do use the word embarrassing seriously, is that they were losing in ways that did not look any way different from the last three years, right? Right. I mean, it's still the same procedural crap. And you're like, why did we spend all this money to fire Willie Taggart when we got the same thing? Now you... Exactly. I think it started at Notre Dame last week where you saw a light go on. Right. There were light. There was light. Yeah. There were... Particularly the way Notre Dame plays, there... it, it, It is not that out of the realm of possibility for a a group of 19 and 20 year olds to sort of don't want to use the word quit, but sort of throw in the towel. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame's rolling all over you. It, it is it is easy to see that. They did not do that. They came back this week again um, and he- I held on for dear life. I mean, there's no other there's no other way to say it. They were up, what was it, 31 to 7? To 7, 31 time? to 7, and, and win the game 31 28. Sam Howell mounts a furious comeback against the team that he was committed to for months and months and months, but they didn't they didn't come back. And Florida State won that game, and that's a that's a way to step forward if you're Florida State. I mean, you, you look at the schedule from this point forward, Louisville, Pittsburgh, NC State, those are winnable games before they play a distinctively unwinnable game against Clemson. Sure. <laughs> every, like, every time I looked up, like, it was on the second screen, but every time I looked up, I was like, 
oh god, North Carolina scored again. Oh god, North Carolina scored again. It was like, it, is this really going to happen? Um, I like Jordan Travis. I liked a little bit of what they've been doing with him the last couple weeks. Um, it doesn't look like he did a ton in this game, and I, like I just don't think they really asked him to do much. I think yeah, they tried yeah. To sit the, on the first this game. touchdown was kind of a classic, you know, because he's brought in as the runner. That was that was why they got him in the first place. I mean, he got through a crack that looked like it was about two inches wide to score that yeah. first touchdown. But, yeah, a lot of that, I mean, they had a, a pick six by Josh Kando. There were a lot of things where the defense was playing really well. It was, it was a team win. It was almost a team loss, but it was a team right. win. And, uh, and you will take that if you're Florida State. Now, Do you like Formula One but struggle to keep up with everything that's going on? Then we have the podcast for you. Introducing the Race F1 Briefing the podcast that brings you the latest F1 headlines in 15 minutes or less. With new episodes dropping on all four days of every race event, you'll never miss out on hearing what went down in practice, qualifying or the Grand Prix itself. And we'll also bring you all the behind the scenes news and gossip from the F1 paddock as well. If that sounds like the F1 podcast for you, search The Race F1 Briefing in your podcast app of choice. We'd love to have you join us. Speaking of programs trying to to get where they want to go, let, let's have that conversation about Tennessee because oh boy. Tennessee and oh Kentucky. Boy. Kentucky had not won in Knoxville since 1984. You saw a lot of the number one album was Bruce Springsteen's Born in the USA. The number one, <laughs> the number one movie was Supergirl. Uh, but this was a butt-kicking that started out as Jarrett Garantano throwing a couple of pick sixes and, and Kentucky taking a lead. And the second half was just Kentucky whipping Tennessee's ass. So I like Jared Garantano is a fascinating football player because I like you see it. You see it a lot of times. Like you're like, there it is. I think some of the big throws that he hit against Georgia, um, you're like, whoa, okay. All right. There it is. And then the three turnovers on third down last week. This week, I, I think two of those were on third down. I'm not sure, but I, I think two of their turnovers again were on third down uh, today. Uh, they they sp- I mean they spotted Kentucky 14 points, and I sort of tuned into that game around halftime and was like, okay, Kentucky's offense isn't really going to blow the doors off of anybody, but Kentucky is in a perfect game state right here now, where all they right, have to Kentucky's do is sit on the game. To sit on leads, right? Right. They're not built to come back, thing, but they can sit on leads all you want. If there is one thing I'm sure Eddie Grand loves, it's the fact that all he's got to do is is run the ball and sit on the game for 30 minutes. Um, look, so Tennessee and Miami, I think, were in the same spot today, which is do not let the butt kicking last week beat you twice. Um, you know, we've seen Miami in similar spots. Uh, it's usually against Florida State. They build up. They're undefeated. Florida State kicks crap out of them. And then they lose out the rest of the season or whatever. That has been a thing of the past for Miami. And given what they did against Pitt, seems like a thing of the past for now. Tennessee, build up to Georgia. A lot of people think you can maybe even win that game last week. Uh, I saw a path there too. It doesn't work out. So then what? The Tennessee that I saw week one against Carolina, I was like, okay. uh, uh, Tennessee in prior years finds a way to poop the bed and lose that game, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so just because you don't beat Georgia does not mean you have not progressed as a program. But this, this is where I say, have you really progressed as a program? Because to do this at home, 
Not not going to cut it. Not going to cut it. I thought it was interesting to hear Jordan Har- uh, Jordan Rogers and, and Cole Kubelik on the broadcast talking about what Jeremy Pruitt said to them about Jarrett Garantano because he said, you know, we put so much on him. We're actually making him play quarterback. You know, he's he's setting protections. He's doing all these different things. To which I want to say, that's great, but you don't get any extra points for that. So right. <laughs> if that's Maybe too much, of <laughs> or if that's too much, if, if that's so much that it keeps you from ch- trying another quarterback, then you need to change what you do instead of expecting the quarterback to be something you know he's not. Because they keep putting yeah, he, all this on Jared Garantano. We know what he is. He's been there for a long time. Don't yeah, ask he, him to do I, more than he can do. I just pulled up the box score. I it, It's worse than I thought. Oh, it's bad. He's 14 of 21 for 88 yards uh, and two picks, obviously. After the pick sixes, Yikes. they put in Harrison Bailey for a bit and then brought him back, brought Garantano back. But you could tell his confidence was shattered. and that they're, Because they've done this before, too. Yeah. They've yanked him in games before. They did it, they did it in the bowl game last year. This is not yeah. new. But the thing is... I, I respect the fact that you would like your quarterback to handle all these responsibilities. But again, you get zero points for that. That does not right. make you – you don't get spotted 16 points at the beginning of the game because your quarterback sets the protections. You know, you can have him looking at the line of scrimmage and the touchdowns you score <laughs> will count for the same six points as if he did everything himself on the field. Kentucky wins this game with 4.8 yards per play. I mean, it's just it's like it's ugly. Kentucky wins this game by twenty whatever points. I'm just like, what? Like, how? How much have you really progressed? How much is it really different? This is again the same song and dance for Tennessee again and again and again. And it's this is where I'm like, as a as a Tennessee fan, like I get the frustration. Like every year, building up to it, and then just the air gets let out of the balloon, and you get stuff like this. Well, and, and the thing is, this this was avoidable. That's the problem, and I think that losing to Georgia was unavoidable. Georgia's sure. better than you. Georgia has better players than you. Georgia might be better coached than you. That's okay. Unavoidable. This was completely unavoidable. You have better players on the whole than Kentucky. They are better coached sure. at Kentucky. Kentucky's players are better coached than a lot of players. <laughs> that's, mm-hmm. that's a good staff there. But... You didn't have to lose this game if you're Tennessee. You just you made some philosophical decisions going back three years now that you need to let go of and and just and now do the, what you got to do to win the games. And now the problem is, now the problem is you're Tennessee and you're almost diet Georgia about to go up against that Alabama team on national television next week, and it's just like it. If Alabama, when Alabama goes up two scores on Saturday, the game is over. I mean, it, it's over. Yeah, I said it was. I said the the Georgia Alabama game when when Bennett threw the pick, the crossbody pick. Um, I was like, done, game's over. We can all go to bed now. There was like ten minutes left in the game. Yeah. If Alabama gets up two scores on Saturday, the jig is up. Yeah. It, when it, Alabama gets up two scores on Saturday, so. While we're talking about things that that continue to not change, let's move on to Auburn. Oh, boy. Auburn goes to Columbus. I don't South get Carolina. it. You're you're gonna have to explain it to me. I don't get it with Auburn. I don't get and maybe be maybe better. and I 
I've said this. I'm like, maybe I'm holding them to this standard of 2013 that's never coming back, right? And they're just not that program anymore, and they are what they are. But I'm just like, this South Carolina, and and to be fair, South Carolina did what it needed to do to give you, hand you the game on a silver platter. Will Muschamp made a bad, in my opinion, calculus decision to not go for two when they scored that last touchdown and potentially go up nine points. They, they let you back in that game, give you the window, and you don't take it. I don't understand why Bo, Bo Nix hasn't progressed. I don't understand why you've got three uh you know, robots at wide receiver that look really good and you can't find ways to consistently get them the ball. I don't understand why you're getting dominated. I don't understand why you targeted a good corner. What was it? 27 times today. I, I don't get it. I don't get Auburn. It, it is very confusing. And here's the other part of it. They get really excited when they have good years and they give extensions out. And so mm-hmm. Gus Malzahn's buyout. If you were to get rid of him after this season, million dollars not as bad as a cut as a couple years ago still a lot of money so I just look at some point they got to get over the hump but I don't know I don't know what the problem is and and I'll tell you why we expect so much of them Richard is their talent level is not maybe what Georgia and Alabama is but it's very close Mm-hmm. It's it's usually them and LSU are kind of in the same boat, and they're they're slightly above Florida and Tennessee and the, and those guys. So the level of talent there makes us think they they have to be good every year. Why can't they be good every year? But they just are so inconsistent. Yeah, and I don't know if so. the The whole Gus Chad thing is like, what are we doing there? I, I it doesn't seem like Gus. Want, it doesn't seem like Chad is doing the sort of uh, vintage Gus. You know, they got a little wildcat with Piggy. I but just it don't think they can like, run it. I don't think they have yeah. the line to run it up with the backs and that offense. They've got a re- they've got a really good running back, which is the yeah, other tank's problem. Really here. good, but th- that offense, w- whether Gus is calling the plays or somebody else is calling the plays, does not work unless you are consistently running the ball between the tackles because that is what opens up the pass game for everything else and. Since they've realized the tank's their guy, they've been a little more consistent running the ball, but not not really. They're not they don't scare you like they did with Carrion Johnson in 2017. They don't scare you like they did with Trey Mason in 2013. Yeah, and it's and this is the thing where it's like the the year sort of gets away from you losing a game that you Probably shouldn't, right? I mean, you stole one last week. All right, congratulations. But I don't think anybody, like, I don't think anybody felt good about Auburn over the last six days. No, they should have lost to Arkansas. Now and now, here you are losing to South Carolina. Now and now, and so we uh, we were talking on on my podcast last week. We were like, look, the loser of this game. This was an anxiety bowl coming in. Yeah. You know, the loser of this game had, there was some agita to go around. It felt but, a little bit like the 2016 Auburn LSU game, which got less miles. Yeah. Fired. Where it's like, yeah. Where it's like the loser of this game's in, in hot water. Um, so I, I don't know what you do with Gus at this point. And it's, it's like, did, I, you know, I don't want to be so like fatalistic about it, but it's like, did Auburn just miss the window? Like, did they miss the window in 2017 when they don't beat Georgia the second time around? Like, did you just miss the window, and is it not coming back? 
Well, it's not coming back this year. They just have to figure out because there's their next two games are are winnable, but they're also extremely losable. So <laughs> if they're playing like this, they're losable. Oh, if they're playing like this, they're losing them. And and so they're 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 at Ole Miss, and Ole Miss's defense was much better against Arkansas on Saturday, but they lost the game because Matt Corral threw six picks, and and Arkansas yeah, just it's... had short fields and and punched it in or had pick sixes, and then they play LSU, which. You know, we, we don't know what LSU's going to be. We don't know what LSU's yeah, defense yeah. is. But so Auburn could go 2-0. and oh, They could go 1-1. One and one, They could go 0-2. If they go 0-2, they might be finding that money. Yeah, it's – it's they may, uh, they may get the yellow fellow on the phone then. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I, you got to sell a lot of yellow wood to pay for, pay for that buyout. That's a lot. That's a big, big stacks of lumber right there. Let, oh, all right, let's let's talk about the team that that really did beat Auburn last week, but didn't get credit for it. Arkansas, Sam Pittman, SEC Coach of the Year for sure, National Coach of the Year maybe. Shoot, I mean, it, like I think I think the I think the people who are saying they're the second best team in the West need to relax yeah, for a second. Let's, go, let's not go crazy, but yeah, let's roll it back a little bit. But I don't want to take anything away from Arkansas. I mean, it, like, the fact that they won a SEC game itself, huge deal. They um, should have won three at this point. At the, Yeah. But the way they put – so I, I, like – and this is where I, I don't want to say this game was – or this lead sort of was kind of built on a house of cards. But – Kind of was. 21 points off turnovers, uh, two goal line stops on Ole Miss. Mm -hmm. Correct. Ole Miss, uh, on balance, Ole Miss probably wins this game five or six times out of a seven-game series if you played seven times. But be that as it may, Arkansas did what it needed to do to win. Uh, Barry Odom, it sort of looked like they did the same thing they did against Mississippi State for the most part. Every time I looked... They were dropping a whole bunch of dudes into coverage and making Matt Corral make plays. Uh, Barry Odom is doing a great job with that defense. The Arkansas's offense is doing what it needs to do to score points. I mean, score 30, 33 points in this game. I mean, you know, one would imagine you may need a little bit more to beat Ole Miss, but if you turn them over six times, and Lane even said that you, you, you're you never going to win a football game. You turn the ball over six times. Never. And Hudson Clark, redshirt freshman walk-on DB. He's replaced an injured starter. Three picks. Grant Morgan, the linebacker, was playing with one arm. He almost picks a ball off with one arm. And you're like, oh, he's playing with one arm. There's no way he can intercept a pass. And then later he right. does and takes it back yeah. for a touchdown. Yeah. Uh, Felipe, the, the renaissance of Felipe Franks, I, I don't know. They, they are doing what they need to do to win games. It's really cool to see. Um, I know I saw you uh, earlier in the day were doing some discourse about offensive line coaches becoming head coaches. Um, it – Needs to happen. It's going to be the hot new thing does. now. I may, that and special teams coaches. We'll see. Um, but yeah, I mean, Arkansas is, Arkansas is winning football games. And like for that program, like this is a, this is a game that passed Arkansas. Similar to like I uh, talk about past Tennessee. This is a game that past Arkansas finds a way to lose, right? Yeah. You get up. You're unable to sit on the lead, etc. Similar. To, I mean, kind of like last week. Yeah. Last week. Adversity struck. You found a way to lose that game. wasn't your fault, but you lost the game. Uh, but this this week, sat on it. Did we need to do? Won the game. That that 
is progress. That is immense progress from where this program was la- la- the last few years. And Texas A&M is riding high, but Arkansas's next game is Halloween in College Station. If Arkansas plays the way they've been playing, they can play with Texas A&M. I don't know if they're going to win that game, yes. but they can play with them. I don't think Texas A&M is going to run all over them. I do not no, see that. No, Barry Odom's doing a great job as the D.C. Now, I, the, the one thing I said all week was this is an interesting case because you saw what Lane and that offense did to Alabama. But, but, Kendall Bryles is the offensive coordinator at Arkansas. Barry Odom, the defensive coordinator, can go to Kendall Bryles and say, what drives you crazy? Because sure. Kendall Bryles is Lane Kiffin's former OC. He's the brother-in-law of Jeff Lebby, who is the current OC at Ole Miss. So Barry Odom had a great resource. And, oh, by the way, all those principles that, that Ole Miss runs, Arkansas runs on offense every day in practice. So they've seen it all. The, the Arkansas defense and it has didn't, seen all that. Ole Miss did not try to I, – I watched most of the second half. Ole Miss did not do – or didn't look like Ole Miss was doing – some of the things that gave Alabama trouble. This is so we've got this thing where I think what you're seeing this year is you're seeing teams beat other teams a very specific way and then you're 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 thinking they're going to carry that week to week and it doesn't happen, right? No. LSU week, week to week is not a thing this year. We got to get yeah, over that. Uh, LSU law or uh, Mississippi State beat LSU in a very specific way. Uh, no team is going to defend Mississippi State like that until Mike Leach, uh, uh, as long as Mike Leach is there, it looks like. Uh, and Mississippi State is not that team, right? Ole Miss did some things to Alabama that Georgia was not going to be able to do to Alabama because Georgia's not that team. Correct. Ole Miss did some things against Arkansas that they didn't do against Alabama because Arkansas is not that team, did not defend them that way, all that sort of stuff. Um so I, I, you know, I think you see some of the limitations here uh, of Ole Miss. They hired Lane Kiffin for a reason, you know, I got rid of the last coach for a reason. Um, so there are some things that, that Ole Miss needs to sort of tighten up and, and get better at to become a more complete football team. I have sort of been saying my party line has been they're going to play ten of the same game all season, um, and it looked like for a little bit that this was going to be another situation where almost was going to kind of rise from the ashes and it was going to be squirrely and maybe we're going to have overtime. And then the last turnover sort of ices it. Yeah. It, it, it's just amazing to see Arkansas cause they were so bad. Remember Chad Morris got fired when they lost to Western Kentucky in a blowout at home when Western Kentucky was starting the quarterback that Arkansas had run off. I mean, the wild thing about the wild thing about and Sam Pittman deserves all the credit in the world for this is not only was uh, Arkansas bad last year, they were also talentless. So I thought, right? No, there, there's, and that's what there's I'm saying. talent on that roster. He's, he's getting something out of it. Yeah. Sam Pittman is getting I don't know if it's blood from stones, but Sam Pittman is getting something out of this roster legitimately. Um, Jonathan Marshall at nose tackle. That's my guy. That guy's an absolute spark plug in the middle, um, and and the defense really does hinge on him. But yeah, I, Sam Pittman and that staff, uh, uh, all the credit in the world, they are getting it out of that that roster. Richard, can we pour a, a little out for our hopes that the ACC would be interesting this year? Because because uh, Louisville went Clemson, into Notre Dame and, and showed us that Notre Dame is not probably not capable of hanging with Clemson. All week, I was like, man, Notre Dame's really good. I think Notre Dame can do it in a couple uh, weeks when they get Clemson, et cetera, et cetera. 
And then they, that was a wet fart today. That was tough. I mean, I like. Glad they won tough. for their sake, but that was not Glad pretty. they won. It was, it was going to be a rough week for Brian Kelly, I think, either way. If they lose that game, I think it's it's doubly bad, obviously, because you lose to a Louisville team that is is not ready for primetime, frankly. Um, and I, I don't know. I don't really know who in the ACC is going to come close to these guys because it's just like to hang 70 on a conference opponent – 35 in the second quarter? My guy at Joe Joe, the pride of uh, whatever little tiny town in Alberta he's from. I can't even – Brooks, Alberta. It's like halfway and it between been, Calgary and Medicine Hat. It should have been worse. Trevor threw two picks in this game. I mean, it's like if, if you look at some of the advanced box scores on this game, it is tough, tough to play the game of football more comprehensively well than Clemson did in this game, particularly in the second quarter. I mean, it was – Quite stunning. Yeah, they, they and it feels like they flipped a switch because remember a couple weeks ago against Virginia, you're watching them and you're going, you know, maybe Miami can do some stuff on these guys. Right. And I, they were in a dogfight late in the third quarter. <laughs> I went on a radio show in Charlotte and uh, and my guy Josh Purcell, Parcell had a, a good point because I brought that up. This was before they played Miami. And he goes, you know, Clemson was just bored, right? And I said, no, it can't be. This is a different team. He was completely right. They were just bored. They, they've turned on murder, death, kill mode at this point. It's it's a little early. So I Clemson, I, like, Clemson doesn't, and I like, I give Clemson a lot of credit for this, right? Like, Clemson has d- doesn't really make many bones about the fact that we are going to be at our best in December and January. It's pretty rare because everybody wants to pretend that it's a week-to-week game, et cetera, et cetera. Now, Clemson sort of is like, hey, we're in championship phase at the end of November, and that's when we really turn it on. Um, last week, I thought through halftime, okay, maybe they're in championship phase a little bit early, but they did play with their food against Miami a little bit, even though that win was so dominating. They left some points out on the field. It could have been worse. In this game, nah, absolutely did what they needed to do um, on defense I don't know how we let Brent Venables get two shutdown corners. Not fair. But it does not seem fair to the rest of the sport that that was allowed to happen. Those guys are really good on the outside. Good luck. Guess who they play next week? Who they got? Riddle me. The Syracuse Orange team oh. that got blown out by Liberty oh, at home. Man. <laughs> that's that's. Remember two years ago when Syracuse nearly the ruined – Clemson's national title run, that will that not happen this time. No, I don't. I don't. It, it could be. It could be. DJ Trevor could go down, and DJ could come in, and I. You're not getting a, a Kelly Bryant redux. Tre- Trevor may only play happen. a quarter in this game. Yeah, I think. Did you see the stat? This was the first time Trevor has actually gone over 400. Yes, <laughs> yes. Because he never plays four quarters, they're, and they're so efficient most of the time. Right. So yeah, it it is it is going to get ugly next week, but. I got to ask you, how excited are you for a couple more conferences joining the fray? The the Big Ten and the Mountain West on Friday, you've got Illinois, Wisconsin, and then the whole bunch of them all come in on Saturday. Yes, thank you for joining us, uh, Big Ten. Thank you for gracing us with your presence. Uh, Mountain West, I'm excited to see Boise because I want to ramp up to Boise and BYU as a potentially very good football team, uh, football game, I should say. Um it, th- this is the where I'm like, okay, so Notre Dame gets pit on Saturday, right? So that could be dumb. Um, 
And, but next Saturday, I think, shapes up to be a lot better than this Saturday. Um, there's some weird games, some fun games. But, yes, the Big Ten does join us. Ohio State against Nebraska is um, going to be a bloodbath. Okay. But Nebraska has bo- been doing some talking. For getting the, getting the game played at all because if not for those two programs, I'm not sure they're playing any games. Nebraska, be careful what you wish for. Uh, Michigan and Minnesota, I believe, is the college game day it game is. next week. Um I don't really know what to expect from Michigan at all. Honestly, I've really no. zero frame of reference. No, and, and we don't know about Michigan's Minnesota Minnesota. either because their their OC left for Penn State and they brought in Mike Sanford and so they they have Tanner Morgan back and Rashad Bateman opted back in. But we don't really know what they're going to be either. So this is I feel like it it's almost like the beginning of the season again in this yeah, one it's, aspect. I, I sort of haven't minded the sort of like phase in staggered start. It's it's not, it hasn't been bad because I think I've I've like okay I sort of know the state of play with the teams in the SEC and the ACC. Like I sort of know what they are. I'm comfortable to uh, comfortable with them. God knows about the Big Twelve, but I, I'm sort of used to what those teams are going to put out. Um, now I got to get used to a whole another batch of teams again. Um, I Purdue Rondell Moore is back. I'm going to be watching that. I, Iowa is another team that I'm like, you wanted to play this season so darn bad. All right. We're playing it. I, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready for it all. I just, I was looking at the schedule. I, I just popped it up. I just got more excited because you got teams in the Big 12 that took the week off that are coming back. Next week will feel like a full full yes. college like you remember what you felt like the first week of sec play and you're like "Ooh, this is all right this is starting yeah. to get real it really 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 gets real next week richard thank you so much for joining us we can listen to you split zone duo is the name of your podcast at rj underscore rights is where we find you on twitter moon crew llc where we find you writing thinking out loud on the sec network on monday nights can't miss television you and spencer hall how did you talk them into putting you on TV? I'm so so happy, excited, and proud all at the same time. I don't know. One of these days they may find out we're grifting, but until they, until they do, we're going to have some fun. Richard Johnson, thank you so much. I hope everybody enjoyed brunch. I am now allowed to eat if you were listening to this afternoon, and so I guarantee you I am eating a very large sandwich. I lost... <laughs> my bet to Ari Wasserman so you can be excited about Friday's show not nearly as excited as if he had lost the bet because I guarantee he's not doing 50 push-ups I have to do 100 I can I can't do them all at once but we'll get them all knocked out during the podcast blame Arkansas and Ole Miss for not scoring enough points we'll talk to you <laughs> on Wednesday Thank you.